Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Brittany Brombacher, alongside no one right now, and let's talk about that. Okay, so first and foremost, Tim Geddes from Kinda Funny joined me originally for this week's episode, for the entirety of it. He came on and we talked a little bit about Nintendo Direct predictions, and then we talked all about Final Fantasy 16. Our conversation about Final Fantasy 16 is still the majority of this episode, but because he joined me before the Nintendo Direct happened, I wasn't able to do a proper recap. So that is why I am here and I am solo. It was only like 10 minutes or so of, of predictions I had to cut out between Tim and I, so it's not that much stuff. But the other thing is I am solo also because Andrea is not feeling great. Unfortunately, she is not doing too hot. She'll be fine though, but she's just, you know, sometimes we all get we get hit with the sickness, you know what I mean? But she's doing fine. So a few things before I continue on, and excuse me, I will admit I did three episodes yesterday and now I'm doing an episode this morning, so my brain is a little foggy. I'm going to try to keep everything straight. The next two weeks are going to be Game of the Year so far pre-recorded episodes because we are taking a couple weeks off to be with friends, family, enjoy some of this summer weather. So we recorded, we being me, Danny Pena, and Re recorded those episodes earlier this week. So again, those next two weeks are going to be pre-recorded, so if anything major happens. We're not going to be able to talk about it. Also, because Andrea is not feeling well, she wasn't able to join us for those recordings. So she won't be on those episodes either. And she's really bummed out about that. But I said, baby girl, you just take care of yourself. Don't worry about this little show. I got you. I got you. Okay, so I think that is the housekeeping and going back to the Tim stuff, because I don't want anyone to think like, you know, I didn't give Tim the proper info. Because you know, I'm cutting the beginning out. He doesn't get a proper introduction. (laughs) So I guess I'm kind of screwing him over that way. But I will give him all of the proper introductions as I go into the Final Fantasy 16 review. It's a whole ass conversation. So anyway, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN and thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Shui's Godson, Fair Satia, Justin Fashi, and Punctified and welcome to the Patreon community ROC Boy and Chak141. Thank you so much for supporting what we do on What's Good Games and like we've said before if you don't have a few bucks in your pocket please leave us a five star review if you want to, if you feel so inclined, I'm not going to beg you to do it, but it would be really nice. You know what I mean? It would be very helpful. So let's talk about the run of this show. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to recap the Nintendo Direct that happened the morning I'm recording this, which is Wednesday, June 21st. Briefly just talk about some of my major highlights, and then I'm going to hop right into the Final Fantasy 16 discussion with Tim. All right, let's talk about some of these major Nintendo Direct announcements. It was interesting and kind of funny because the Nintendo Direct went live the minute that the Final Fantasy 16 embargo 
was up. So it was kind of chaotic, but I caught like 99% of it. And we're just going to go through some of these together. And I have an article from IGN right now that recapped all of the cool shit that happened. I loved this direct. I know a lot of people weren't hot on it. I mean, I think it's kind of half and half. I'm seeing a lot of folks saying like, eh, that could have been an email, which I feel like is the new funny snarky thing to say. I think I just said that like last week about the Capcom showcase. Anyway, and then you have people like me were like, oh my God, like that was just freaking amazing. And I saw so many games that looked so good and I'm so excited about. So let's start with a big one. And again, thanks to IGN for this recap. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, a brand new 2D Mario revealed. So the big finale for June's Nintendo Direct was Super Mario Bros. Wonder, a brand new 2D Mario that will be released on Switch on October 20th, 2023. Oh my God, this fall, y'all, is just fall, y'all. So October 20th, that's Spider-Man 2, isn't it? And that's the same week as Alan Wake. Oh my god. Anywho, so one of the new big surprises for this 2D Mario game is the Wonder Flowers as they make wild and unexpected things happen in the world, like causing pipes to come to life. And you players can choose whether to play as Mario, Luigi, Toad, Princess Peach, Princess Daisy, and Yoshi. So the Wonder Flowers look like drugs. I'm just gonna put it out there. I think they are drugs, and that's fine. Nintendo can be cute about their drugs. That's whatever you do, you boo. Yeah, I mean, this looks cute. I think, you know, it, it's a familiar art style that we've seen with the other 2D Marios. It definitely has a little bit of a new look to though and there's just like a new look is what I meant to say and you kind of have almost a side profile of the characters. But I mean, I think this looks cute. It looks like Mario and there's a big old elephant like they talked about which is going to be interesting to see how that turns out. You know, like when it comes to 2D Mario, I don't really think the wheel needs to be reinvented. I think just give us fun new levels and give us the characters and give us co-op and I think we're good. So I'm excited about this. It has been far too long since we've had a new 2D Mario game. The next announcement Holy shit, I I just, I existed. I made so many noises by myself. I'm in my office all by myself and I was squealing and I was grabbing my face and I was pulling my hair and I was freaking out because we knew we were getting new air quotes here. It was, it was leaked by someone who knows what they are leaking about. A reputable leaker is what I'm trying to say. Take a shot every time I say leak. Anyway, that during this Nintendo Direct, we would get the 2D Mario game, which we did, but we'd also get a remake of an SNES classic. And instantly, friends, instantly my mind went to Super Mario RPG. I don't know why. I feel like it was Super Mario RPG. I always want Earthbound, but hey, Chrono Trigger. I mean, I feel like there's a large range of games to pull from, but it was fucking Super Mario RPG. And it started with that little opening jingle and Peach sitting in her flower bed. And then everything changed and it was all pretty and new graphics. And oh my God, I can't believe we're getting this. So, ah! Oh, okay, so it's getting the remake treatment and it will launch on Nintendo Switch on November 17th, 2023. It's coming out this fucking year. That's also the same day as Persona 5 Tactica. Uh, I just realized that. This adventure, which stars Mario, Bowser, Princess Peach, Malo, Gino, and Morris, these are heroes attempting to take down the Smithy Gang while collecting seven stars to repair the road. Now, I just also saw Yoko Shimomura's handling composing duties on Super Mario RPG Switch's remake. Hell fucking yes. She's returning to handle the music for this remake. Oh my god. Ugh. So we got to see a few little like snippets of gameplay uh, during the reveal video and nothing. It doesn't look like they're doing anything uh, I don't know above and beyond with this remake. It doesn't look like they're adding a whole bunch of new features. 
I mean, maybe they are. Maybe there's going to be some new cutscenes in there. I do in the combat see something that looks like a gauge that fills up. And I don't know. what It's like a percentage gauge. Not entirely sure what that is. But you're looking at the UI. You know, it looks very simple. The combat, the level layout, all very, very similar. It could be more of a one-to-one. But that's honestly, like, I'm okay with that. That Super Mario RPG was my very first turn-based RPG that I ever played. And I'll never forget, my aunt got it for me for a present. And I never knew how how to level up. I didn't understand why I was getting my ass kicked at all these boss fights. And my aunt was like, oh, it's all about leveling up and you get experience points. And I was hooked. I was hooked. I played this game countless times and I'm so excited that we're getting this remake. I can't believe we're getting the remake. I'm so thrilled that we're getting this remake, you guys. Oh my god, it's happening. Okay, okay. Some of the best fucking music too in all the video games of Super Mario RPG, which is why I'm so excited that Shimomura is coming back. Whew, okay, moving on. Detective Pikachu 2 is coming to Nintendo Switch in October. You know, I've never really been a Detective Pikachu person, so if you are excited about this, I am excited for you. There you go. I mean, it kind of freaks me out. The movie was fine. It was good. It was a fun movie, but it's, you know, Pikachu, I can never really, like, get past Pikachu. kind of freaks me out a little bit, but I think I have a little bit more information here because I think some folks are really excited about it. Okay, Nintendo revealed its Detective Pikachu Returns, and this comes from Nintendo Everything, a cinematic adventure game with cases to solve and plenty of coffee launching October 6th, 2023. So yeah, like we're getting like a ton of shit, ton of shit from Nintendo this year. So you can partner with a tough talking coffee loving Pikachu who calls himself a great detective. Metal Gear Solid Collection Volume 1 confirmed for Nintendo Switch. We're getting new Tears of the Kingdom, Amiibos with Zelda and Ganondorf. I kind of want to take the two of them together and push their faces together and be like, now kiss. But that's just me and I'm really weird. So that's coming holiday 2023. WarioWare Move It is bringing new micro game party games to switch this November. I don't know. I tried to ad-lib that title. It didn't work out. We got a bunch of new Pikmin 4 details in gameplay. And I've never been a Pikmin person. So I'm watching this and I really couldn't tell you what was incredibly new and exciting about it. But it looks like IGN says it was revealed you'll also be able to set off on night expeditions for the first time in the series. And you may even run into some Pikmin who glow. And there is a demo coming on on June 28th. That sounds like something that I should probably check out. Also, HD versions of Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2 are headed to the Nintendo Switch eShop later today. So that is this week. So there, if you want your, your Pikmin fix, maybe you want to revisit those classics. And then we got a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Hidden Treasures of Area Zero expansions get a new look. So the Teal Mask is arriving this fall and the Indigo Disc will follow in winter. Gotta be honest, I saw this and I'm like, I really want to get back to Scarlet and Violet, but I, uh, you know, I, I think about that game a lot, actually. Like, the Pokemon fan in me wants to play it, but damn, like, the issues I have with it, just, we don't need to kick that horse. Okay, so Mario Kart 8 Deluxe got a new course, because of course it did. And then Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon Remaster was announced, along with a Princess Peach game. This is exciting. So Nintendo revealed a remaster of 3DS's Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and a brand new game starring Princess Peach, which will be arriving in 2024. We don't know much about the Princess Peach game, which appears to be a 2.5D side-scroller, but 2.5D, excuse me. Yeah, the the trailer for this was really cute. I mean, it's kind of her walking around and she has this pink dress on. And then towards the end of it, she like does some magic shit and then she has a white dress. So I'm wondering if maybe her dresses give her different powers or lets her do different things, maybe? I don't know. I think it's really cool that Peach is getting her own game. 
Like, it's about time, you know what I mean? She needs this. And I hope it's a game that is worthy of the iconic character that Peach is. I hope they don't do her girl dirty. I'll be very sad about that. Vampire Survivors is coming to Switch with Couch Co-op. Now, I tried asking some people on Twitter about this. I don't ever remember hearing about Couch Co-op coming to Vampire Survivors. So I'm not sure if this is because, again, this all just like happened. I imagine that that functionality is coming to all versions of Vampire Survivors. But Nintendo got the little scoop on it. But cool that's coming to Switch. I feel like that's kind of the perfect platform for it. We got Dragon Quest Monsters the Dark Prince announced, which looks pretty interesting and neat. Sonic Superstars got a new trailer. Batman Arkham Trilogy coming to Nintendo Switch. And then the other one that got me all sorts of hot and bothered is Star Ocean The Second Story R announced for 2023. So this game was first released on PlayStation in 1998. And today, the Direct confirmed a remake will be arriving on November 3rd, 2023 on Switch, PS5, PS4. What the hell? Between Super Mario RPG, the new Mario game, and now Star Ocean The Second Story and everything else that's coming out in the next few months. I don't know how we're going to do it. But hey, let me tell you, it's a good problem to have. But hot damn. Anyway, this is a really, really amazing looking game. Uh, Star Ocean, the second story are the dialogue when you're talking to someone. It has that beautiful anime art style, but they're like mouths actually move, which is, I don't know, it was a really nice touch. And I love the 2.5D, but with like that 3D exploration. It looks stunning. And I've never really gotten into the Star Ocean games. And that makes me sad because that's one of my grandma's favorite, favorite franchises ever. So this will be a, a good one to hop into. Then we got Myth Force, which brings a Saturday morning cartoon roguelike to Switch. This looks really interesting. I'm going to have to look a little bit more into it, but it's a first person melee roguelite, which will have you and your friends adventuring through dungeons and the cursed lands to stop the evil Daedalus. Daedalus? I don't know how to say that. Whatever. What's cool about this one, though, is it does really much look like one of those Saturday morning cartoons cartoons that you would just like wake up and flip it on and it has that sort of aesthetic to it so I think that is really fucking cool just kind of keep going damn just dance stuff and then oh Penny's Big Breakaway is a bright and colorful 3D platformer now this I, this got a lot of attention on Twitter it's a new 3D platforming adventure from the team behind Sonic Mania that stars Penny and Yo-Yo and looks to be a wonderful time the game takes place in the world of Macaroon and the gameplay sees two heroes working together to get through wild and wacky levels in very inventive ways so yeah take a look at this one if that sounds like something you're into got another look at Fae Farm which we've gushed about a lot and then the other announcement that I don't see getting a lot of attention, but it looks like a Brit-ass game, is called Silent Hope. So this is an interesting take on, this is an IGN words, Silent Hope is an interesting take on the action RPG genre as it will see, quote, seven wordless warriors working together to find a reclusive king and they must all use their unique abilities to accomplish this dangerous mission. So here's the gameplay loop and this is why I'm excited. It sees players going into dungeons to find treasures and then returning to base to grow even stronger before doing it all over again. And this is also coming out on October 3rd. How? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through these next few months together. It's fine. So this is coming from Xseed. And the reason why I'm really excited about this gameplay loop is I love those sorts of games where you can go out and you dungeon crawl, you get better items, you come back, you build your base, you rinse, wash, repeat. That loop to me is so, so, so addicting. And because it is an Xseed game, I'll admit at first I was watching this trailer and I was like, ah, it looks fine. Like what a, you know, I don't. and then I saw the traditional iconic Harvest Moon slash now Story of Seasons cow on the screen. I'm like, what is that beautiful fat fucker doing over there? I'll tell you what. Because when you come back to your base, you have crops to manage. You have livestock, apparently. There's these really beautiful like anime cutscenes that I saw. And there was one of the cows in there. And I was like, oh my god, that's my boy! 
that's my cow. So, anywho, uh, coming out October 3rd, this looks really, really fun. And, wow, like I said, it was a director that I really, really much enjoyed. And I was pretty surprised by all of the goodness that we saw. I could talk about this forever, but I know you don't want to hear me talk anymore about Nintendo stuff to myself. So, now that I have talked about the Nintendo Direct, it is time to talk about Final Fantasy 16. Again, huge, huge thanks to Kind of Funny's Tim Geddes for joining me for this fun discussion. And don't forget to check out Kind of Funny's Final Fantasy 16 review on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and follow Tim at Tim Geddes on Twitter. We had a really fun time chatting about what we thought about the game. It's so good. And I do mention this at the, the top of the review, but I want to do it again anyway. Huge thank you to Square Enix for supplying us with game codes at What's Good Games. And it is a spoiler-free discussion. So if you just want to hear two nerds hyping out about why Final Fantasy 16 is so great without the spoilers, you are in the right place. So thank you so much and enjoy the conversation about Final Fantasy 16. But first, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Going online without ExpressVPN is like using your smartphone without a protective case. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine, but all it takes is one accidental drop onto solid concrete to make you wish you had protected yourself. We've all been there. Now, why does everyone need a VPN? Well, every time you connect to an uncrypted network in cafes, hotels, and airports, your online data is not secured. Any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data, like passwords, financial details, and more. And it doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack someone. Just some cheap hardware is needed. And I think that was the eye-opener for me. I always thought, hey, if you want to hack somebody, you got to be really, really smart and know all the technical know-how to do it. But nay, nay, software does all of that for you now. And I'll be honest, a lot of this goes right over my head, but that's why I like to use ExpressVPN to protect myself. Because listen, like, I don't have the time to worry about someone trying to screw me over, you know what I mean? And we like to use it all the time here at What's Good Games. I know Andrea just used her example last time about how she bought John some pizza t-shirts for his birthday, and she didn't want John to find out what she was looking at. And recently, I used it while I was searching for custom whiskey glasses for Father's Day. And listen, like, I wanted Jason to be surprised. I didn't want him to know. So anyway, the thought of people getting my info and selling it doesn't feel very good. So these are just some of the reasons that I like to use ExpressVPN and some of the ways I use ExpressVPN. And you can secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash what's good games. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash what's good games. And you can get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash what's good games. All right, so we all know why you're here. It's to talk about Final Fantasy 16. Oh my God, this game is now out today. Tim and I have been playing it. Tim has finished it, and I am about halfway through. I'm going to blame Summer Game Fest for cramping my style. That was just a bad time to have that event. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, damn you, Jeff. You knew damn what you, you were doing. You do. Why did you put on such an amazing show? Yeah, so like, holy shit, Tim. I think I want to start with you and asking, what is your history with Final Fantasy? Okay, so Final Fantasy okay. 10. I'm wearing the okay. shirt right now. Oh, yeah. uh, my yeah, first Final that. Fantasy. And I absolutely oh. fell in love with it. I was on what I think many people 
people were on in, that are our age group, Brit, which is the the Pokemon to Final Fantasy pipeline, right? I was an yeah. eight-year-old boy playing Pokemon for the first time. I'm like, this sure is a lot of words. I don't want reading in my video games. Uh, and then eventually I was like, you know what? It's worth the reading. And then once you kind of get through that and you're like, oh, I loved that. What's next? And in 2001, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X was getting hyped to all hell in video game magazines. And PS2, baby. Exactly. And a lot of my friends were obsessed with seven, mainly like their older sisters, though, or like the the, the older <laughs> kid down the street or something like me and my friends weren't playing these type of games. Um, sure. But I was like, I'm really excited for this. Like it was the first time there was going to be voice acting in a Final Fantasy and like the mm-hmm. cinematics, and everything, everything about it. I was like, I'm, I'm so stoked on this. And then I got it. And I started playing it and I had to really pretend that I liked it. <laughs> I, Wait, what? I, I was like, oh man, I am uh, not ready for this. I am not mature enough for this. There's a lot of reading. There's a lot of thinking involved or whatever. And I, I remember I put the game down for maybe like two weeks. I just didn't play it. And I was kind of like beside myself where I was like, I thought this game was going to be my personality and oh. I just can't get into it. And then I was like, you know what, Tim? Hunker down. You're a big boy. You can do this. And I just sat and I played again from the beginning and it just clicked. And I, I, there was something about it that I was like, oh, this is how you want me to play this. This is the point of this, their adventure. I see, I get it. I get it. I see the vision. And then 200 hours later, collected every single thing in the game, got all the the legendary (laughs) weapons, like all in. I was utterly obsessed with Final Fantasy X. And then when okay. X 2 was announced, I was like, let's go. And then pretty much from then on, I went back and replayed the majority of them. I love Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy X and Seven, I would say, are are the, the ones the ones for me. I, I love six as well. So I would say my top three in no order would be ten, okay. okay. seven, and six. But as of today, Britt, I could say that my top three are 10, 7, and 16, baby. Ah, shit. 16's good. Who is so good? Okay, yeah. So I think people listen to the show know my history. Obviously, I started playing Final Fantasy. I think 7 was my first. Couldn't get into it. So I played 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 15, and 16. My favorite is probably 9 and 7, and now 16 is like right up there with you. Like, oh my God. Did you like 15? Did you play 15? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like 15 okay, a okay, lot. Okay, okay. Like 15 a lot. 15 is a rough one for me where I am also a big Kingdom Hearts guy, um, especially in the the older days. And I was hyped out of my mind for Final Fantasy versus 13, which would eventually turn into 15. And what we got isn't quite the thing that I watched the trailer for a thousand times. Um, But the idea of just a bunch of bros going on a road trip, like that's very me, very my, my style. So I was like, I'm all in on this. I feel like the game, it got so much better with the the Royal Edition that kind of has all the DLC, but I still think even with that, it kind of, um, it, it was messier than I'd like it to be. I it was like, a messy game. I like the yeah. idea of it more than I actually like 15, but one of my favorite soundtracks in any of the games, Okay, love the bro vibe of it all, and the end of it is 10 out of 10. Oh, that ending. Like, I tell people, this is not like a chill, like children's Final Fantasy game. Shit gets dark real fast. and You will feel your emotions. Okay, cool. So I'm on the same page as you. Love 15. So let's get into 16 now that y'all know who we are and how we fuck around with Final Fantasy. Huge shout out to Square Enix for providing us codes at What's Good Games and obviously kind of funny. And this will be a spoiler free review. Mm -hmm. So don't worry. We're not going to be spoiling the good shit. All right. So Final Fantasy 16, the TLDR version, Tim, feel free to hop in here, is that you... 
are in the world of Alistea and scattered between these two continents, Ash and Storm. And each continent has these mother crystals. And this is the source of magic. And you also have people in this world called Dominance who can channel icons, which are like the summons that you've come to know and love from all other Final Fantasy games. And there's this thing called the Blight that is coming, and it is depleting all of the ether from the magic crystals, and there's always been an uneasy peace between all of these nations who live in the world of Alistea, but now stuff is getting stressful, and people are starting to compete for power. It's kind of like Game of Thrones with Final Fantasy, and I know that's something that has been used a lot to describe this game, but I feel like it's pretty applicable. Like, shit gets in the weeds, there's so much narrative stuff happening. It sets up a really great foundation for a very deep narrative driven by a lot of politics and I feel like that's kind of like an interesting way to like kind of describe what Final Fantasy 16 is the groundwork of it all all of that said Tim I will just kick it off to you feel free to like tell me lay it all on me like how do you feel about Final Fantasy 16 I think that Final Fantasy 16 is an incredibly special game. I think it's an incredible moment for Final Fantasy in multiple ways. Like I think in, in one sense, Final Fantasy used to be the industry-defining video game. Like People were foaming at the mouth for go getting into 7, 8, 9, 10, going through all that. And somewhere along the way, Final Fantasy is still extremely popular, still extremely important, but I feel like it kind of didn't have that same level of, oh, drop everything. It's a Final Fantasy game coming out. Like, this is all eyes on this. And I think that a lot of that has to do with just development time and uh, mm. the fact that two of the most recent Final Fantasies were online only and 14 being such a focus for Square and such a focus for Final Fantasy um, over the last couple of years. Really, I mean, we had the 13 trilogy and then we had 15 almost a decade ago at this point. And now... Final Fantasy VII Remake is, you know, a major success, and I love it so much. But 16, being M-rated, being very Game of Thrones-inspired, like you were saying, I feel like this is a a coming-out party for the franchise, again, in a mainstream, modern way of being like, we're back. And they never went anywhere, but it's them saying, we're back. And I think in addition to that, this being so many of the key players from Final Fantasy XIV, which I haven't got into. I'm not a big uh, online guy. I'm not a big MMO guy, but yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about the story and the characters and the music and the world of Final Fantasy XIV. For those people to be involved in this game, I feel like this is such an amazing moment for like, hey, for everybody that's been hearing about fourteen all these years, this is for you. Like, you can now play too. You can now be part of this amazing adventure. And oh my God, I've been missing out on fourteen on everything there, because what 16 does from a narrative perspective, from a gameplay perspective, this is a dream Final Fantasy. I can't believe it's as good as it actually is, that they pulled off what they did. There's so many things about it that are not my cup of tea. Not a big fantasy guy, not a big, just like my brother, blah, 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 like that type of dialogue. (laughs) I'm way more Final Fantasy VII guy. Like I'm way more that like that Neo tech vibe and things like that, like way more, more my speed. Game of Thrones was kind of like the one thing that broke through for me where I'm like, this is just so good that despite it being something that I wouldn't traditionally like, I'm all in. Final Fantasy 16 done that as well. Like, I so can't believe it. I noticed you said that you're not really a fantasy guy, so that normally isn't your cup of tea. Because to me, this feels like the least fantasy Final Fantasy that I feel like I've played. Did you get that vibe as well, or for you, was it different? I don't know that I could agree with that. I mean, it's okay. definitely, I didn't, and I don't know like what we're defining as fantasy here, but like, right, it's, that's it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Game of Thrones to me is fantasy. And I feel like this is very like the magic and the sure. like the, the creatures and, you know, just the way that they deal with all that, uh, the icons themselves and all of it. Like it feels very 
very fantasy. And I think even just like the location of it all, it is grounded in a sense, which I appreciate. I think that's the word. I think that's the word that helps me put it together, what I was thinking. Because I think you think of the world of Final Fantasy, right? And now, granted, like, full disclosure again, I have not finished this game. Tim has. And even though I feel like I'm over, I know I am, in fact, over halfway through, the game just feels like it's just beginning for me. You know, and I'm starting to see little elements and mechanics trickle in. I'm like, okay, yeah, this feels much more Final Fantasy, but it feels more grounded in the sense it feels like you're playing a game that has tidbits here and there of Final Fantasy. You have the icons, you have the summons, you have chocobos, you know, there's other little things in there, but it's not like the world is riddled with all of these things. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying as I'm playing it, I'm like, besides the icons, would this have felt like a Final Fantasy game had it not had the title put on it? I think entirely. I feel like this game is such a beautiful love letter to Final Fantasy as a franchise, and all of those things that people have heard forever if they haven't played a Final Fantasy before, well, every game has this, 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 and this. I think the way that 16 chose to go about delivering those things is utterly inspired. I I think that uh, I'm a big music guy when it comes to to games and and movies and everything. And the Final Fantasy music has always been like top tier, right? Mm. The way that this game actually uses the Final Fantasy main theme that's been in like the title screen for most of the games. Oh, yeah. And they use it over and over and over in different ways, almost as if this is the theme for this game. I really appreciate that. And I think that that, not just musically, but thematically ties the whole game together to, I would say this is one of the most Final Fantasy games that I've, I've ever seen. And I think that that only gets more okay. and more true as you you play through and the way that it delivers on expectations, subverts expectations, but never disappoints, always surprises and thrills. I, I think that to me is is something that's really special. Having now grown up most of my life with Final Fantasy and being able to go back and experience all the things that I've missed, to get this, it really feels like a, a reset point that like I think that this is them being like, this is what Final Fantasy is. I really love that. And I think, like I said, the more I'm playing, the more, I mean, let me be very clear. I don't think I've been clear. This game is fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. This probably will win my game of the year. Ooh, for, really? For 2020. I think so. I mean, I really think so. I think what they're doing with Final Fantasy and slapping that mature label on it, and they're not holding anything back. You know, the swearing, the sexy time, the violence, like the gruesome just brutality of this world of Alistia that you are thrust into, and you, you have to experience it. You have to see death. You have to see all of this like terrible shit but it's handled so well that I'm like this is this is what I've wanted for so long you know this is the the dark tone that I have always wanted to see with a Final Fantasy like dark 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 like this is like this this is the Final Fantasy for adults right and that's what I love and I love that they le- leaned into it and they're not holding anything back and you know we were talking about the icons and the music there are so many beautiful cutscenes in this game and this is where for me it's just fucking peak Final Fantasy where you're having these huge fucking fights in the sky, right? I think of the one of Shiva and Titan. I think we've all seen that one, but that orchestrated music in the background. I've seen that scene probably three times, and every time I see it, it makes me cry. Oh, it's It makes me fucking cry. Oh, it's incredible. In fact, like the third time I saw it, you think I would have been over it by then. I was watching it. A lot of people guessed what game I was playing because I tweeted about it. But I was just sitting there like playing, and I'm watching the scene again. I let all these like disgusting, like audible like grunt, and my husband walks out, and he's like, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I mean, it is just so fucking good. And what I love, too, is that they have implemented this action time lore. 
Oh, and I think active time lore, incredible. Is it active time lore? Thank you. Anyway, acting or action, I can't remember. It is the best fucking thing that any game has ever done, and I hope this becomes a staple for the future. There's nothing more annoying than when you're balls deep into like a cutscene, and I will say like RGG Studio and Yakuza games are pretty bad for this. And you're trying to remember like who is who and who are they talking about. And these characters are having this super like visceral reaction on screen. And you're like, but I don't know who they're talking about, and I can't remember. And the whole scene goes over your head, but not in Final Fantasy. 16. You can push on PS5, you can push the touchpad, and it brings up these portraits of every person and location and history that's relevant to what you're doing in that moment. And you can just hover over and it's not just giving you pages and pages of info. It's a very concise paragraph of what you need to know so you can tie the two together and you can enjoy what's happening because there's a lot going on in this game. Not only that, but later on, you know, you have access to more in-depth mechanics that show you on a map, for example, like what happened and where that is in location to all of the stories. And then you can also do other things. It is like the fucking best. Tim, did you find yourself using this a lot? I did. Yeah, I absolutely love it. There's a feature on uh, Amazon Prime called uh, Amazon X-Ray, and it does the same thing, right? When you're watching a show, you can just pull up a a menu and there's little bubbles of who the actors are, who the characters are, how they connect and things like that. And it's really helpful. And to have that in a core Final Fantasy game that is, that does take itself so seriously and has so much deep lore and is a brand new world for us to explore so we can't really rely on our previous knowledge of like playing Final Fantasy 7 and understanding Junon versus Midgar and things like that whereas with this it's like it's very hey you're here and here's this place called uh, Gobbly Douche and this place is Gobbly Boosh <laughs> and you're just like ah shit like I'm never gonna understand that exactly by the end of the game I'm like oh I totally know this 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 feels they did such a good job of letting it you just kind of sit in the world and then allowing you to ask questions and look at the the active time lore when you need to but then I do think that the the map that you're talking about like I always talk about Game of Thrones the power of having the map in the intro that we see every single time getting a sense of of where everything is next to each other, it reinforces the locations, what makes them unique, the people that live there, all of that. This game, like you're talking about, eventually you start to get these like map bits. You really start to get to know the map and think of it more as a world as opposed to just a menu that you're kind of clicking through. And that works in tandem with the active time lore stuff so well that I'm just supremely impressed from a story, character, just depth, standpoint on on how much they achieved with this game where it's overwhelming but it never felt that way yeah no and i think that's what's so in fact yesterday when i was playing it i spent two hours just reading the lore I was like, oh, and just refamiliarizing myself with everything that had happened because it's so good. The narratives is so, so good. And I'm so into all the relationships all these characters have. And then, you know, you get to know people and get to know people. Then maybe they'll pop up later and like, I know who you are. And it's that fucking hype moment when certain things happen. And it is like so good, but you don't have to use it. Oh, yeah, you know? no, because I think the game does such a good job of just yeah. explaining the story. And if you just trust them, they'll answer the questions you have. And I think that that... Every single time was true for me. Anytime I was like, wait a minute, who is that guy again? They answer the yeah. question when they need to answer it by the time I need to know. I do think that you talk about the hype moments. Like this game takes itself so seriously that I feel like it lacks some of the Final Fantasy charm of like the the goofy side characters that are like integral to the plot or things like that. And it just kind of like the the, the levity of like the, the, the real jokey stuff that Final Fantasy has a lot of. But in its mm-hmm. place, I think very smartly, it has hype moments that feel earned and built towards where 
this game reminds me equally of Game of Thrones and Dragon Ball Z. You put oh, those two things together shit. in a yeah. Final Fantasy wrapper, and it is just, again, it's, oh. a, it's a dream game. And like the, these moments, the moments of levity, instead of being like a joke, are... And maybe not jokes, not even the right word, but like like Kate Sith in uh, in Final Fantasy yeah, yeah. Seven, like things like that. Uh, the, the levity of it, um, the, the the funny scenarios that the characters are in. Like these characters are not in funny scenarios. No, but they're in scenarios that it's like you you see this character plus this character, and you're like, are they going to do that to that character? Oh wow, they're doing it. Oh, they're going for it. And the way that they just got the spectacle of it all, I think that energy and fun. There's a fun to it. That is in place of the previous game's levity. And I think that it works very well to enhance the narrative and not not feel like it's uh, two different worlds colliding. It very much feels like one consistent vision all the way through. Yeah, and I'm really happy you brought that up because, you know, obviously we have Clive, Jill, and Sid. And Sid is kind of that fun, like, uplifting character, you know, and he's, he's fantastic. But when you look at just Jill and Clive, and they're written so well that, yeah, like, this isn't a happy world, <laughs> you know? And you're so used to constantly having that prompto from Final Fantasy XV or that Kate, like you talked yeah. about, or, you know, someone, a character like that, and there just isn't, there's not a place for it. And I think if you did have a character that was written specifically for the comic relief, it wouldn't make a lot of sense with this. Instead, what you see is you see these characters grow and learn and evolve, and then you kind of start to see their shell crack a little bit. And I think that is so well done. And like you said, there are those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe we're all just getting gaslit to think that, like, you know, it's a good thing when something bad happens because we're like, we need to laugh or smile a little bit. But oh, my God, it is so good. It, it there is are just, characters, though, like just to be clear, there, there, are, are, there are some yeah. very fun characters, very lighthearted characters. But I, I just feel like they're not ever the focus of it. No. Um, but I, I do think that they feel just at home as anyone else does here. It's like they just this place feels real. And uh, something I want to bring up. I'm normally not a side quest guy. Like I'm not the, the I, I prefer linear Final Fantasies. That's why 10 is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I actually I, I know people won't agree with this. I actually really enjoy 13. Um, ah. So I, for me, I like the kind of give me a good story. I want to get from point A to point B and like be rewarded for it. Have some fun. I did every single side quest in this game. Fuck yeah, you did. Every single one. And it enhanced the experience so much by the end of it, where I Mm -hmm. am blown away at what they accomplished with the character work of the side quests coming together, not just on their own quest lines, but together, like quest lines kind of weaving all around where I'm like, oh my Lord, I care so much about every single character here. Uh, and I, and that's something that I, I think I wasn't expecting seeing the trailers from this. Uh, infamously, I, I, I don't like the name Clive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know it's a dumb little nitpick, but I'm just like, I don't want to play as a Clive. Are you kidding? What, what, do, you, what do you want to play as? Should they name him just Ben Star? Like, well, I mean, dude, shout out to homie Ben Star and who He's absolutely so crushed it. Okay. Oh, the voice yeah, acting. All of it. The performances are just so, so good that, again, I'm going into this not wanting to like Clive. I believe in loving a Clive. All right. Uh, but no, it's it is the character of Clive is so powerful and so good. It's this Optimus Prime type character. It's this this leader that leads by example. And I think that only gets more and more true. He cares about the people around him and not in the corny way, like the way that they present all of it. You 
you believe in the story being told. You believe in the actions being taken. And I am just so damn impressed with the the performance throughout the the range of energy and emotion uh, from almost every character. Like, shout out to my boy Sid. Like, oh. what a powerful, powerful voice that performance. They had no right to Mm-mm. making him so goddamn handsome. Mm-hmm. No right making. He was an oglop in Final Fantasy IX. Now he's a fucking stud. Like, how do you do that? I don't know, but they pulled it off. But no, you 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 hit the nail on the head. All of these characters' performances, and again, Ben Starr, like he listens to what's good too. Incredible. You did really great, Ben. You're amazing. You should do every game from now on. Uh, but just the the range there from you know the, the oh god the emotion and the raspiness and every character in this game is so well voiced. You fully believe that what they're doing is something they believe in. You know, and that is so important, especially when telling such a narrative game. There have been lots of games that I've played that I will just turn on the Japanese voice acting because I can't tell the difference, you know, because I don't know if it's good voice acting or not. But in this one, like, I absolutely encourage everyone, you know, if you if English is your first language, play it on English. It, the, the voice acting is just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, the other thing I wanted to, you know, since we're talking about this, do you ever turn subtitles on in your oh, game? I'm a 100% subtitle baby. Okay, I usually am too. That's usually me because I usually get distracted and I can't focus on what's happening. I turned it off for Final Fantasy VI and the delivery is so crisp and so good that mm. I never needed him. Yeah. Never, ever needed him. And like that's such a testament to, to incredible voice acting. The only other games I can do that in are Naughty Dog games. Yeah. So, oh, honestly, know. though, I, I do feel like the, you bring up Naughty Dog games. Like This, to me, feels like, uh, and, and I only mean this in, in the positive ways, a Naughty Dog Final Fantasy. Like The production values oh. are just absolutely through the roof. Like, it is absurd. Absurd. The way this game looks, the way this game sounds, the way this game plays. I know that there, there's, there's been a couple of people talking about performance issues of frame rate tips and stuff. I did not have any of that at I had no all. issues. Um, at, at least like th- that I noticed. It didn't get in the way. I'm sure that it Were wasn't. Were you playing a, on performance? I bounced back and forth a lot okay. uh, between okay. them because like I just love how it looks in uh, quality mode. Uh, oh but it being such an action game, the the 60 definitely does help and enhance the experience like dramatically. So I tried to for fights and stuff. Uh, I would do that. But you can just switch back and forth and they make it super, super easy. I will say. On no less than 10 different occurrences, my PS5 straight up gave me a warning that was like, yo, your PS5 needs to turn off. It is getting way too hot. And I tweeted it uh, a couple weeks ago, Uh. but I've never seen that image. I've never seen anyone have that image. I clean my my tech a lot. My PS5 is not in a console. It's on top. There is room all the way around it. And like back when I had my PS4 playing uh, Last of Us 2, it sounded like a jet trying to take off. And it was like a disaster. I have never seen this happen with the PS5. And it is because the boss fights are pushing particles, man. I have never seen more graphically intensive anything in a video game. Some of these boss fights are just I can't even wrap my head around everything happening on the screen and i guess my ps5 can't either <laughs> but it never crashed it still hey. never crashed hey that's funny because that never happened to me either and my ps5 admittedly like has never been cleaned mm-hmm. so maybe maybe it was just a little too spicy maybe you got some sit action on there and it's like we can't handle it. it's too hot yeah. too hot we're gonna burn up i wanted to go back on the side quest real quick because you touched on this and i think it's a really interesting point to bring up is and I talked about this after my preview, and I think you went to the same preview event. You were like the afternoon slot, or yeah, I was the next day. Okay, yeah. So a lot of the side quests that I did originally, and you know, as I've done throughout the game, 
they weren't all that exciting from like a mechanic standpoint, right? Maybe you're delivering soup or maybe you're delivering apples to someone, but it's the world building that you get from doing that and the character dialogue you get. And plus you get items and experience points for doing it too. So like, okay, you're getting rewarded. But if you love this world and you want to really learn all you can about the world, absolutely do the side quest. Not to mention there are certain side quests you'll come along later that if you do them, you're going to get a really, really cool reward for. We were talking about this before the show. Obviously, we can't go into what that is, but you can miss them if you're not looking out. So anyway, the side quests are really important. And again, they just really add a lot of context to this really rich world that I think Square has like perfected making. Like it's, it just blows my mind. I want a whole ass book series about this. <laughs> I really fucking do. To, to your point about the side quests not necessarily being the most like intensive things to do. Some of them are just take item A to place B and yeah. that's it, right? But I think that there, it never feels like busy work. It always feels like even you giving the example of, hey, take the soup to this table. It yeah. feels like, why am I doing this? It's just like padding in a video game. But doing it the way that the, the what the characters are explaining and the conversations you're having, you're, as Clive, endearing yourself to this community and it feels authentic in a way of getting to know the people there and those little things that feel like in another game would just be busy work, I think yeah. add up so quickly to being more meaningful and your relationship with the restaurateur that gives you the soup to give the patrons and your relationship with the patrons starts to get so clear so fast that I started realizing, oh, like I'm not just doing busy work. I, I'm doing stuff that feels natural to this world. And, Absolutely. And, and I feel yeah. like one thing I really want to credit this game with is it doesn't fuck you. Like, it doesn't yeah. make you do a bunch of bullshit. It doesn't make you do boring stuff. Everything you're doing, even if it's a semi-mundane task, it's not reinventing the wheel. Like, I don't like sometimes when you play a game and it has a gameplay style, and then, oh, here's 10,000 minigames, and the quality oh. of those minigames is, like, yeah. very, yeah. very low. You need to have great stuff for that to work. I love that this game commits to its core gameplay and what you do. And the everything adds on itself, and I think anytime it goes outside of that lane... You think, oh, this might be a one-off. It's not a one-off. They build on it, and eventually it, it gets just as complex as the the rest of the game. But it's the quality of life stuff for me that okay. I think really sets this game apart. I was talking about production values earlier, and I don't just mean that from uh, the perspective of how it sounds and looks, which, my God, it looks incredible. Okay. I am talking about how in Final Fantasy 15 and even Final Fantasy 7 Remake, there's a treasure chest that's around a corner. You turn the corner. You try to see it hit X to open the chest. For some reason, the UI thing pops up for one second and goes away. You can't get it. You keep hitting next. Yeah. You have to keep turning. You have to keep turning yeah. and repeat that for 40 hours. It gets frustrating. This game doesn't have that. This game cuts out the collectibles and all the things you got to get. If there's a treasure chest, you see it. You can go up to it and pretty much from any angle, you hit X and it opens for you. And it just works the way that it should. I shouldn't be giving props to that, but I'm going to because I have not experienced a game where it just the quality works. of life stuff works the way that it should. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's the little things of even just like picking stuff up as you're walking around or whatever it is you're doing. The boxes for doing that are not punishing. And it really is like that's the last thing you want to get frustrated about when you're thinking like about this amazing plot point that just happened and you find a chest and you, then you look up and it's like, well, how do I get there? How do I access it? And then once you get there, you have to push X in a million different positions to actually like open it up. And I mean, it's it's it, you can tell like we talk again, production values. You can tell that this game has been scraped through with a fine tooth comb. Mm hmm. 
And there have been so many that we don't even probably notice most of the quality of life changes that happen because it all just works and flows. This is not a frustrating game to play. And on top of that, there's not a million boxes everywhere for you to break open that might have a thing or something. It's It's very clear where the items are in a way that just feels rewarding to explore as opposed to like, here's more stuff to do. Yeah, exactly. And also speaking on um, side quests earlier, there are some, because I want to clarify, I know we talked about how the ones that we mentioned like aren't the most exciting or whatever, but there are some that are really, really good. And some that are like honestly quite shocking. And so I just want to make sure that it gets clear, no matter what the ranges of the side quests that you're doing, you're going to get something that's going to mean something and it's going to add to the story. Oh yeah. And like there are some like, I'll have to talk to you about some of these off the once we're done recording. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a lot about Combat and monsters and da da da. But we, we actually haven't, haven't talked about about, combat. We, have, we haven't talked about the actual combat itself and how it works. So, were you playing on action focus or story focus? Oh, action. I am a Devil May Cry guy. Again, this is my dream Final Fantasy. Like, I yeah, watched yeah. Advent Children, the movie, on bated breath. Everything that they put out uh, for that uh, movie back in 2007, I think it was, I was like waiting for it. I couldn't wait to see it, like, in- injected in my veins. And I remember uh-huh. watching that movie. And just being like, can you imagine? Someday video games will look like this. Can Was you imagine? Yes. Yeah. And, and more than that, <laughs> yeah. play like this. Like, Can you imagine oh, playing man. a fight scene, Cloud vs. Sephiroth, and it actually playing like that? And then we got Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was very close and in some ways absolutely nailed it. This gameplay, I'm finally like on a one-to-one action basis, like oh. holy crap. And not only is it like Devil May Cry, it's as good, if not better than Devil May Cry. That might be a little a little Ooh. wild to say, uh, but you know what? I, I stand by it that it is as good as Devil May Cry, but it is, and, and the combat uh, designer came from that. The lineage is there. So it feels that way. And the more that you get, the more abilities you unlock in this game, the more satisfying the combat gets. Absolutely. I am, utterly obsessed with it and it's the type of uh thing where i hope that we get dlc i hope that we get a ton of like hey like kingdom Hearts style end game stuff of like yo there's just there's more things to fight because it's just a joy to use these abilities it is so amazing and i'm glad you bring that up because i am someone who my first level my cry was oh god it was i was dming with you about it years ago and i was like what am i doing like it was my first because back in the day like that combat style didn't really speak to me so I was really curious. I mean, you slap any kind of combat on a Final Fantasy. I'm going to try it out. I love, absolutely love the combat in this. And I'm also doing action focus, which for me, I was a little worried about because like, listen, I'm not a combo person. I just button mash and hope for the best. But I feel like they introduced the combos and the abilities at such an amazing pace that before you know it, like you have it mastered. And then they introduce you, you know, to a new iconic ability or new icon abilities. Then you can master that and you can pick and choose what kind of style you want to play because as you're doing combat, you're getting ability points, and then you have this huge-ass menu with all these different abilities you can choose from, and you can pick and choose what you want to do and how you want to customize your life. And there is just so much. So how I've been spending my ability points, Tim, is I've been hoarding them, and then I use them on all the epic skills that you can get for each icon. And I've been pretty much leaving all the other skills alone. Have you been picking and choosing more, or are you just pretty much staying true to like what you got. Well, what's great about this game and again, quality of life stuff, there's no cost to reset your ability points Mm -hmm. and redistribute them however you want. And because of that, I constantly throughout the game was changing. Like I, I feel like I've had fully featured icon sets for almost all of them throughout the game. And there's a couple that I'm like, up, this isn't for me. That doesn't fit my gameplay style, but Uh 
I tried it out for a couple fights, got to, to play and see what abilities I did like. The customization in this game, I think, really is 80% the way there in the sense that when yeah. it works, it's so damn good. There's a handful of things, like probably like my biggest criticisms of this game are some, the lack of button remapping is oh, bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple things where I'm like, well, I like this control type and I like this control type, but these parts of this and these parts of that, just let me mix them. Like, why aren't you letting yeah. me do that? It, it, it's kind of weird because there's a couple, a couple bizarre button placements that you just can't change. And then when you talk about the abilities, uh, you essentially can like assign each face button different abilities, right? From the, the icons, uh, specifically square and triangle. And yeah. if you're using that control type, at least. And once you start unlocking the abilities, you can mix and match. So if you have icon A and icon B on your icon A template, both the moves could be icon B moves. Like it doesn't need to be icon A moves, which is cool. Like it allows you to just customize how you want, but you can't change the circle ability. And it's like, yeah. Why? Yeah. Like, oh. And that, that messes me up sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I mean I mean to like Phoenix Dash, which is the thing we've all seen, but instead it's another move that like makes me do a flip in the air. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted to do. And then, then I get all discombobulated. And I'm like, okay, now I have to push this button like three times to get to the right ability that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I would say like 80% is good. If it, it, it works, it works fine, you know, but sometimes in the heat of battle, I have to like stop and look down and I feel like an old person. I'm like, what am I pushing again? Like, where's the X button? What am I doing? <laughs> there's so much going there's on. But no, it, oh my God, it is so satisfying. And the action, and what's so cool about it too is, I mean, some people are going to, I think this is going to be eh, up for debate in the community. You you can grind. Have you done any like level grinding? I think the game does a really good job. Again, I did all the side quests. So right. I, I was always properly, if not over leveled. Um, and I feel like the game okay. does a good job of if you're doing the side quests, like that is the grind. But again, it's more interesting than just a grind. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, you have that whole, uh, the stone. What's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's play. called the Aretta Stone, something like that. Aretta, the blue stones. Aretta stones. Yeah. I never, I never honestly used it. I was like, I don't really need this. I, I, I messed with it, it for a little bit, but yeah. But no, I mean, it, it's so great because as you're playing it, you know, you do kind of, the XP you gain from fights does scale. So if you get too powerful, you're going to get less and less XP. And you know, the, you, you're going to get to a point where you need a thousand XP points to level up, but you're only getting like eight experience points and you're like this is gonna take me all goddamn day I'm not gonna do this but what I'm saying is that you don't need to because the combat is so 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 satisfying and if you don't want to you know fuck with the combos if that's not for you you want more freedom when it comes to dodging you want more like grace there you can equip the rings that you get at any time and pretty much it'll let you easily nail combos it'll slow down time when you want to dodge something and so if you know you're not into this fast-paced combat and customizing your wheels or whatever don't worry about it. You don't have to. You can just equip these rings and you can just like go on with your bad self and feel like a complete and utter badass with little to no effort. It's an incredible system. I'm very impressed with it where I feel like um, you, so you have uh, abilities and then you also have your gear, obviously, and you have these mm-hmm. rings as part of your gear. So you have your, uh, your, your sword, you have your armor, I guess, uh, and then you have, uh, there's one other thing, I forget what it is, and then the ring is the last one, which allows you abilities. So those abilities are extra ones like you're talking about where some of them just make the game a little bit more approachable for people. Some of them give you buffs of like plus seven attack or 7% attack or whatever it is, things like that. But then some of them are, hey, you don't need to ever control your dog. He just will constantly attack and set you up for combos. Or there's ones that are like, you know what? You don't need to do combos at all. You can just mash square and it'll be flashy and do the combos. 
but you can mix and match. And I think that it's really good at scaling with different users where I mm-hmm. uh, found myself uh, for at least some battles using some of those, not so much as like, a, um, like I, I didn't use the hit square to do combo stuff because I enjoy the combo parts of it. But there were certain ones like, uh, oh, use a, a potion when oh, yeah, your health's yeah, yeah. low or whatever. And I threw yeah. that on for a bit because I was like, don't like how the UI works for me having to switch between my dog fight abilities or using potion abilities. And so it was just a small little ease thing of like, oh, this is, it makes it a little more convenient for me to play the way I want to play. And mm-hmm. I just really appreciate how well thought out the system is that it helps you as much as you want it to. But at the same yeah. time, it also just allows you to maximize your play style um, without ever feeling like, oh, I'm not getting anything out of this. Like it's, it's I'm cheating or anything. It's like you can cheat if you want, but it's built in. And I, I think that they did a great job yeah. there where there's not difficulty levels in the game. It's more how, however difficult you mm-hmm. want the experience to be for yourself. Yeah. And speaking on that, see, I don't like controlling Torgal because I forget to, <laughs> to tell him to mm-hmm. do shit. And so I was using the Ring of Timely Assistance, which controls him for me automatically. So I don't even have to worry about that. So yeah, like it's a really, really cool system because I'd be like, why isn't my dog doing anything? It's like, oh yeah, I have to tell him to do stuff. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, and oftentimes, like, I'd accidentally, my fat fingers would, like, push the D-pad, and then I would, like, use a, a potion when exactly. I didn't want to. Yeah, I was like, oh, crap. But no, like, again, the combat is super-duper fun, and don't let it intimidate you, I think is, like, what we're trying to say. If you're not someone who maybe likes DMC or you don't like the the combo system, it's really approachable, and it's really fun, and it's, like, you can, you can get good. So there's also crafting. I guess this kind of goes hand-in-hand in hand with combat. And so... How do you feel about the crafting system? So I, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I think doing, I'm not a crafter. I feel like this entire episode is me just saying, I'm not a this guy, I'm not a that guy. But it's it's all true. I mean, like, that's just like, it's a reality. And anybody that knows the type of games I play and like what I enjoy, it's like so much of this is not it. But 16 made it that good and and just did all mm-hmm. that stuff so well and the stuff that I do like character and and hype moments and things oh this game delivers uh, and the gameplay the sheer gameplay of it all is just so damn good yeah. uh but the crafting crafting's never really my thing uh I yeah. in RPGs I usually I really appreciate uh, Final Fantasy 7 remake did this when there's a button that's kind of just like auto build like just build me the Do best it. things possible i want to see the numbers go up i like it i like that this stuff's here <laughs> but like i don't want to actually min max and have to think about what all of the stuff's doing. i'm not fran mirabella sitting in these menus all right it's just like i'm <laughs> i just want the i got the things i want the, th- the numbers to go up and i want to keep playing and i feel like this game doesn't do that great of a job explaining to me somebody that's not traditionally into crafting stuff what i'm doing right because i did all the side quest stuff and i feel like the side quest stuff got me just the, the best gear. versions of the gear yeah. already so anytime i go to look at the crafting and i like, try to do something to like enhance what i have or like get something better than what i have i'm looking at the numbers and i'm like huh well what i have huh? is already better so yeah, yeah. but yeah, uh, that might so- just be uh because i did the side quest thing i don't know yeah, but I mean, I feel like that's a fair criticism because usually crafting in games is something that always encourage a good crafting system is always encouraging to go back and like mess around with the systems and figure out what you can do. But yeah, like you said, you know, from doing side quests or fighting bosses, you get unique items and you can use those to craft better weapons. And that's cool, but it, it, yeah, like it's really it's an odd system because you have crafting, then you have reinforcing, and I never know which thing can be crafted or which one can be reinforced until you go into the menu, and it's like no rhyme or reason to it. So it's like fine, and I appreciate that it exists, but I find myself getting way, way, way more crafting materials, and I'm like, what am I doing? What am I going to do with all of this stuff? 
So again, unless something like unlocks later in the game that I'm just not aware of right now, but seeing as I'm like, you know, 35 hours in, I'm like, I'm still kind of wondering like what the point of it is, but not a knock on it. It exists. And, you know, maybe you can craft level one stuff and why you'd want to do that. You want the game on hard mode. There you go. Craft a level one bastard sword. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm interested for the game to come out because the the crafting stuff was a big question mark for me where I was like, am I missing something or am I doing something wrong here? Because like. It, I'm with you that like we're getting a lot of stuff. So I feel like there has to be worthwhile things you can do that I'm just not doing. And you're right. Like the crafting versus reinforcing. I just wasn't clear about it. And again, I think it's because I already had things that were better. So I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, well, even going out of my way yeah. to craft this thing, it still wouldn't be as strong as the sword that I have. So, yeah. But anyways, it never got in my way. That was just kind of like, no. a, oh, cool. And then I just would move forward. And hey, I don't need to do the thing I traditionally don't like doing in a game. Congratulations, yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Sim. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned how you like your game, your Final Fantasy games linear. You really liked 13. So this game, for me, as someone who really loves that like aha moment of where a game really, truly opens up and it's like, go on with your bad self, like make the game your own and make this journey your own. I feel like I never really had, so far anyway, I haven't really had that moment yet. Is that something I'm assuming that never really bothered you because you like the more hand-holded, curated experience? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And this is something I want to make sure I'm talking in vagities about stuff. Yes. Uh, but we were talking about the map earlier, right? About yeah. Game of Thrones and how the the reinforcing the map and, and your understanding of it really kind of helps build out the world and make it feel real and make the story kind of connect with you more. I feel like it's this is a very linear game and you can yeah. kind of just go from beginning to end and it kind of does feel like a straight line. But because the map is so strong and the world is so good and the characters are so well realized, the more you're going in the straight line and you start bouncing around back and forth to locations over and over and over, you start to realize how connected it all is. And mm. I did have an amazing moment where I was like, oh, wow, I've been looking at the map. The, the world's map. And I understand these things in relation. I didn't realize I could walk from this town to that town because they're actually connected. And yeah. that kind of kept happening in a way where I was like, whoa, this is a much more open game than I expected. And I, I feel like it's linear in by design and narrative. And like that is the right call, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. it is surprisingly open. Like it's not like Final Fantasy 13. It's 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 hard to explain, but I, I feel like those moments, those big moments of like, well, now you get to do whatever you want, I feel are earned in this one more than open worlds where you're just like, hey, here's a ten thousand towers for you to get. Have fun, go for it. Yeah. This is more just like, yo, this is a real world. And the way that these neighboring towns connect to each other actually means something. It's not just kind of like, oh, they're there and you can go to both of them. It's like there's a transition in the, the town folk and the monsters and the story on the road in between that you don't need to go down. Like you could just fast travel and not worry about it at all. But the openness is there if you want to explore and you're constantly rewarded. There's a lot of fun, like they call them hunts where – Oh, yeah. uh, you you yeah, get yeah. like you're like oh like there's a board of like monsters and they give you like vague ideas on where to find them and you have to go kind of like find them out in the world and those to me were the thing that made me realize like oh wow this world's a lot more connected and a lot more open than you would necessarily think if you're just literally fast travel fast travel fast travel to get the story beats 
Yeah, that's a really good point because I, that happened to me when I was just playing last night. I had to go somewhere for a side quest and then I just like looked up. I'm like, oh, that thing is right there. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, you know, and it's you lose that when you're constantly fast traveling. And also when you do, you know, make the take the time to run through the areas, you know, you find new monsters and it's better, you know, items drop all the time throughout the world. So you can always like, you know, because you can only have a few potions in your inventory at a time, right? Which is an interesting choice, but not one I'm mad at. At first, I thought I'd be mad at it. I'm not. I think it works out and it lends itself to the, the challenging of the combat. Yeah. Anyway, you know, as you're like walking around, you know, you, you know, you'll pick up potions and they'll constantly respawn. So if you're low on items and you don't want to go see Karen at her shop, like go on through bad stuff, go pick up your potions and other crafting materials that I'm still trying to wonder out why I why I pick them up anyway. But what I was getting at too is like I feel like in other Final Fantasy games, you know, I think about Final Fantasy Nine, you had like the Chocobo Hot and Cold game. There were collectibles. Other Final Fantasy games have secret bosses and secret weapons. And, you know, usually there's like a fishing or something. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how people perceive that. And I think this is where you could kind of get some people, you know, a a very discrepancy in scores. Because it is, like you said, it's a pretty linear game. But I think about, you know, when you step out into the open world for the first time in Final Fantasy VII or even Final Fantasy IX, and then XV had a huge world. And you kind of feel like this whole world is full of mysteries for you to solve and uncover. And, you know, in this one, I feel like I just don't really have that sense of awe and wonder. And while the open areas are really fun to explore and you do find the quests that are very easily accessible, thank you very much. You know, there's just not a lot to really compel me to keep coming back and explore again and again. Besides, like I said, those hunts or, you know, maybe you need to pick up some extra crafting materials for some reason or another. So I'm going to be really interested to see how people feel about that. I think for me, that was once I accepted that I was okay. But I, because I feel like I'm still waiting for that. Like, here's this huge, and again, I haven't finished it. Yeah. Here's this huge fucking thing you can do. And I, I've been waiting for that to happen for a while now. But now that I'm, you know, 35 hours in, I'm like, well, if they're going to show it. So I know you, you finish it. So that's probably like tricky for you to dance around. But, um, no, I, I can my- say pretty definitively, I, I think yeah. that in every single way, this game grows on itself and just gets okay. better over time. I think that all the things you're talking about, they get answered in in a very okay. satisfying way the the more that you play i think that uh, a good analog is the combat itself for people that have played the demo they know what i'm talking about here you start off and when you just have your your effort abilities then that's it you're you're very limited in your move set and it kind of feels a bit more button mashy right it's a, mm-hmm. a, a little bit more just like Cool, square, 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 triangle. Like, it's not that in, involved. It's kind of very, very simple. The more abilities you get, it really starts to, to layer on itself. And pretty quickly, once you get a couple other icons and you're cycling through it all, it's like, oh, this is a really fully featured combat system. And um, okay. I, I feel like in, in every way, it just keeps uh, adding and adding and being more and more and more satisfying and adapting to the challenges that you have in front of you. I think that what you're talking about, the, the sense of awe and sense of like, why am I exploring? All of that also starts to, to fill out a bit more that there's there are definitive points in the game, I would say, that I was like, oh, man, I don't want to move forward till I go back and do every single side thing. And doing the side things means exploring and means going right. back. And I'm not drawn to that stuff normally. I was drawn to this because I cared about these characters in the world that they have and the things that they were having me do because it felt like more than just hitting a bunch of boxes and hoping something comes out of it. It felt like I'm actually going back to somebody that I have a relationship with now that needs my help or something like that. And I feel like by the end of the game, I am shocked at how open and connected it all felt. Okay. 
Okay, that that like that makes me happy. I'm I'm happy to hear that. And I mean, I think that's where you're also going to get and see people talk about. Did it wait too long to fully realize and come together? But I think how I would answer that is I think it all the ride at every point in the game is worth it. Wherever you're at, you're doing something amazing, and it always feels like like you said you're building and building and building. So I'm still like you know maybe after I finish it, I'll be able to answer that question a little bit more. But. Uh, no, I mean, I just fucking love Final Fantasy 16 so much. Yeah, I'm and not I'm, worried I'm at all. I'm still trying to, like, like people are going to love this like, People are going to love it, but you're going to get your purists. You know you're going to get your purists who are like, where's my world? Where's my Xbox Where's this? And, like, oh, why does it take so long to get there? And that's why I'm saying is, like, every, like, minute you progress in this game, something cool and exciting is happening. And I feel like, based off what you've said, Tim, and just based off what I've experienced so far, it all comes together in a really satisfying way. But I guess we will just have to see. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to talk about this game for the rest of my life. Like this, this game <laughs> is, is legitimately incredibly special. Like I, I'm so impressed by what they accomplished with it. I can't believe that a story could be this good in, uh, in a Final Fantasy, in a video game, in anything, honestly. Like it is extremely good. And we, we haven't really talked too much and I'm, we're not going to get into stuff. But I just want to say that the themes and the, the, the heavy topics that this story Mm -hmm. covers with I just think brilliance like they do such a good job dealing with stuff that is like very 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 real and scary and upsetting and it doesn't feel like oh we're being mature for mature sake like yes there's sex yes they say fuck yes people get their heads chopped off well not really that well maybe you know yeah it's violent it's violent (laughs) but it doesn't feel like yeah we're edgy it feels like oh this is the world there's a reason for this there's a reason for the m rating on this game and i'm just supremely impressed like the game of thrones comparisons are extremely apt and again i think only in the the best of ways there this feels like the god of war 2018 moment for final fantasy Uh, thank god man yeah like there was so much writing on this game i know like we talked about we both love final fantasy 15 but i know a lot of people really didn't enjoy it or at least they you know the claim they didn't i don't know i think that game probably did pretty well it lacked a cohesive vision that they committed to and and like were able to from beginning to end deliver on for a multitude of reasons. Final Fantasy 16, this, there's a vision here and it is clear and they stuck the landing on it. Absolutely. I have this little Wikipedia pulled up right now and because this, I think, nails everything we were just talking about. The team's main goal was an action-based combat that was easy to use in a mature dark fantasy narrative that would tackle difficult themes. Yoshida wanted the game to cater to neither children or adults, but rather something that will, quote, reach players of all generations. He also wanted to separate the game from commonly associated stereotypes, such as an anime-inspired art style and a story focusing on teenagers. Yeah, man, you fucking crushed it. And mm-hmm. I am just going forward. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, Final Fantasy IX is my favorite Final fantasy i want to see it's kind of like the resident evil route now that i'm thinking about it keep remaking like the older games if you want to i think there's a you know a lot of charm that can still be squeezed from those and then when you start going forth with your new final fantasy mainline games like i love this mature theme i love how they lean into it i'm not saying every game has to be as like dark and gory and like bloody and stuff but just the the production the 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 cut scenes the fact that they took the time to tell this story and build this foundation and they took their sweet ass time doing it and it all works and all ties everything together i never I never felt bored. I never felt like the story was lagging just so far. And I just feel like the payoff and, and the character interactions, it, just the universe that they have built in this is just like top tier. It's top tier. Just, just so fucking top tier. And great. I'm just so in love with this. I'm really excited for everyone else to play it. So, Tim, what do you think? Where do you think the future of Final Fantasy goes after 16? I mean, I think it's in good hands and I'm happy for whatever it is. Like, I, 
I love that Final Fantasy can be something different every single time. Like, I don't think the next one needs to be dark and rated M and all yeah. that. Like, I feel like every single one we talked about is someone's favorite. And I think that that's something very special about Final Fantasy and it being able to kind of have these jump on points. And some of those turn into franchises within themselves, like Final Fantasy 10 or 13 or 7. And looking at what this one's doing, I keep saying it. I, I think that this is going to be a very big moment for Final Fantasy meaning more to more people than ever before. This one is going to hit. This one is going to connect with the the Greg Millers of the world that yeah. uh, have dabbled with Final Fantasies before. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think, was a, a another good entry point for people in a much more bizarre way. But it worked. This is just... Mm-hmm. Beginning to end, this is core Final Fantasy. It's an anthology series. You don't need prior knowledge of anything. If you have prior knowledge, this game is going to reward the actual fuck out of you. Like, <laughs> I can't. I have chills right now thinking about what I saw last night beating this game. It It is. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't. There's at least at least four different moments in this game. And when I say moments, I mean stretches of like an hour long minimum scenes that I can't wait to watch Twitch streamers play for the first time. Like I want to relive it. I want to vicariously have that (laughs) moment of seeing somebody see the things that I got to see. It is. (laughs) It's a lot, Britt. It's a lot. (laughs) Tim has seen some shit. Yeah. And well, you'll have to to talk about off, but final question, where do you think this lands for your game of the year? In any other year, it would be number one. I, I, it is, this is a, incredible, incredible game. I have rarely played a game that I have loved this much that has this high of a equality level and mm-hmm. such a, like, my criticisms of the game are so few and far between, but the nice things I have to say about it, I, I could never shut up. Like, it is so good. But Zelda came out this year, and, like, Tears of the Kingdom, I mm. I legitimately feel is it's magic, man. It's, it, like, that... That that's what video games can be. And look, we're talking about two very different things. Like I, I don't feel the need to have to rank them in any which way. I know I'm living sure. my best life. Hi-Fi oh, Rush, man. Resident Evil 4 remake, Dead Space remake. Like again, Metroid Diablo Prime 4. Remastered, Diablo 4, I haven't given enough or haven't even played yet. Uh Street Fighter 6, <laughs> I have not given nearly enough time because there's oh, all yeah. these things coming out. But yeah, I I to me, Final Fantasy 16 is it is a game of the year level video game. And I think that this year is going to be the most heated fight for second oh, place we've man. ever had. Do you, okay, so do you think Zelda's just going to fucking sweep everything yeah. because it's Zelda? Because it's Zelda, yeah, yeah. I mean, not just because it's Zelda, but because <sighs> it's, it delivered on the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And I, I have not yet come across somebody that prefers Breath of the Wild to Tears of the Kingdom at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, you know me. Zelda is like one of my favorite, absolute favorite of all time. But, you know, I've only dabbled in it because then Diablo came out and then a bunch of other shit came out. And it's just been way, 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 way too busy for games. So I think I need to spend more time with a little bit of everything before I can make that definitive like decision. But I mean, I don't know, man. Final Fantasy 16. But it's so hard because you have Final Fantasy, you have Resident Evil and you have Zelda. Those were like the most three Brit ass genres that exist. And I'm like, what am I going to do? If y'all put out a new 2D Mario with a new art style this year, (laughs) what are you doing to me, man? Like... I need I to rest. <laughs> I can't even handle it. And then obviously you have Starfield that's coming in, which like I admittedly wasn't like all that hyped about. And then we got the Starfield Direct and I'm like, well, fuck. There that goes. Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man 2? <laughs> Spider-Man 2? Yeah. This is great. It, like Again, I think <laughs> people get so caught up in the what's better than what. 
But we can just realize that we could have multiple 10 out of 10s. And that's just a good thing. And everyone can have their preferences of what's better than what for whatever reason. But like, again, this is the best year of video game history. I, at this point, don't think it's even close. I think that we have now, now that Final Fantasy 16 is definitively as good as it is. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that like, this is just, it's just special. It's just damn special, man. <laughs> we'll be telling our great grandkids about this year when we're nice and old and sitting on our rocking chair. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining me about this. Oh my God, this has been such a fun conversation. I've been dying to talk to someone about this. When I ran into you at Summer Game Fest, I'm like, please, Tim, come on the show. Oh, yes. Talk to me. Oh, yes. If thank Andrea you was here, her eyes would have been glazed over, mm-hmm. but you know, she's a trooper. But thank you so, so much. And you have your own little review coming out on Kind of Funny, right? I do. Yeah. I, actually, yeah. it's probably out because uh, this comes out Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our, ours is coming out, I think, on Wednesday. So, yeah, Wednesday, that should be okay. out uh, with Michael Hyam from uh, GameSpot. Blessing and Andy will be joining me as well. I can't wait to talk to them about this. So, yeah, that's going to be going to be a ton of fun. I will say to your point about Andrea, this could be the one. Like, well, she loves Seven Remake. I think that the things she loved about Seven Remake will translate uh-huh. to this even more. And I think that the fantasy and world stuff, like, this is very up Andrea's alley. I know. If I can pull her away from Dreamlight Valley, Tim, that's, that's, that's hard. hard. That's hard. I don't know. She's doing all her mining and stuff. Well, thank you again so, so much. And we will see you next time. Bye, friends. <laughs>